This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, Logan, let's dive into the tape from Sunday. Let's start with, let's start on the struggle bus. Let's start with the oh offense. God. Yeah, okay. Um, big picture takeaways. Where do you, where do you start? Um, it was, it was a seven, another, like, not, not great 17 point performance. Uh, why did, why did it happen? And I think, I don't know. I don't want to like oversell, but it might have been the worst performance by a quarterback this year for the team. And I think people look at the stat line and say, oh, look how well he played. Look at the touchdown. But even the touchdown, the first touchdown of Curtis, like it's the ball should be thrown. And so he did some things. Um, you know, we, we, we were texting after the game, sending clips back and forth. And it just there was so many times where there's people open or it seems like he's making the wrong read or he's not taking what the defense is giving him. He's trying to press too hard to make a big play. And I think um, that's really challenging, you know, especially like against Green Bay, like he struggled early on, no doubt about it, but he settled in and he elevated the offense. He just took and was consistent and, and was able to, again, elevate the offensive line and get the ball to his playmakers. And I felt like that was not who he was yesterday. He was pressing too hard or on Sunday. He was pressing too much to kind of make a big play. And I don't think that's where he's at his best. I think you got to kind of walk some type. We've talked about it, right? you got to find the team has to walk a tight rope in terms of how much they want to give him. And he himself has to walk and say, these are my limitations. I need to manage the game more than I'm trying to do right now, as opposed to pushing the ball down the field. The other thing that was a little frustrating is like, even on some RPO stuff, um, he's not making the correct read. He's not putting those running backs in the offensive line in the best position to be successful. And that's frustrating because when you are a team like this, the amount of kind of what I'll call mental mistakes or execution mistakes was just so high offensively that, Again, it it doesn't. There's no conceivable way to have a successful result when you're making mistakes like they were in terms of you know mistargeting runs, and that's not on him. He doesn't target the runs. The center does, right? Right. You know, but making mistakes on RPOs, making mistakes on zone read, th- those things that are elevating the running game, taking easy throws, you know, manipulating defenses in a specific way. You know what I mean? Like all of those things just seem to stack up for him uh, being late to certain throws because he's trying to push the ball down the, f- the field. And that, and that does add up. And I think that's um, just a lack of detail generally offensively is the thing that stuck out to me. And I, and I think this was a game where I thought they could play better specifically in the passing game. I think I knew they were going to have a hard time running the football because if we talked about it, like Minnesota's, they've got a type on the inside there. That's very, very physical, very, very good, very, very big. And it's going to be hard to run the football because they're all good at winning individual individual matchups. Um, but I felt like the scheme didn't support the offensive line necessarily um, in terms of running the football. And then I just felt like in 
at the basic level of execution in the passing game, it was not good enough. And um, that's tough. That's tough to deal with. And hopefully they can get that corrected going in against Philly because I do think the defense played well enough to win this football game. Yeah. So with Taylor, let's start there and dive in a little bit deeper. He's got a little bit of an angel devil situation where it's like angel on one shoulder, devil on the other. And the problem is the devil actually is the right play just often enough that he listens to it. Right. And so it's like, Hey man, take the easy one. I don't know if I do this crazy thing, it might work out. And he throws the ball to Curtis and triple coverage. The player is definitely going to intercept the ball or at the very least knock it down, runs into the ref. Somehow Curtis catches it between the two other guys. He spins into the end zone untouched. And it's like, wow, 49 yard touchdown. And subconsciously, even if it's subconsciously, and Scott, as soon as he gets back over to the bench, is like, Taylor, don't ever do that again. He's got the, hey, it worked, man, in the back of his head. And and I think that probably sometimes influences his decision making. No, I mean, 100%. I mean, 100%. Like, I think you said it like he starts feeling himself. And you can tell he's starting to feel himself. And on that play, the, the throw, the read, at least the way I see it, right, is you've got a dig on the left. And you've got a post on the right, okay? The, the You're reading the backside safety. So if the backside safety jumps the dig, who's tearing this case, you throw the post. Like, that's the rule, right? Throw the post because the post is going to come over right behind the safety. Boom, okay? And if you look at it, that's kind of how it's going to play out, right? The player that bumps into the ref is the backside safety. So obviously, he is deep as heck. And Terry is standing open with probably – 15 yards of separation around him because the safety busted the coverage. So if if I'm Scott, I'm like, what are you actually looking at right now? Because the thing that I think you should be looking at, I, again, I'm, I'm an analyst and like I don't know what's going on in the room, but based on the on the play design and, and other offenses I've been in, the ball should, it should be a no-brainer that ball should be going to the dig. And that's a 25-yard gain and you feel much more comfortable and com- confident about his process and what he's looking at. And for him just to say YOLO and launch that sucker, I'm like, we're in a close game. We can't afford to turn the ball over. And that, and again, it, it works out for you by some kind of miracle of serendipity, but the process was not correct. And if I'm a coach, that drives me absolutely insane. Right. And that's why I hear you when you say he's got to manage himself better. I don't think he's capable. Like you that's just so? not, that's just not in his DNA. And And by the way, I don't know. I hear you. I don't know. I agree with you, though, because I want him to play with a little like I don't want to feel like I'm restraining him. I want him to go be a playmaker where he's at his best. And then I think it's my job as the coach to manage him. It's my job to not give him opportunities to make the big mistake and to coach him through the 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 areas where he might like, hey, man, really be careful about this or remember you're reading the backside safety like Give him that, but I don't want him playing conservative because then you don't get the upside of him. Then you don't get the the some of the runs. You don't get some of the scrambles. You don't get some of the stuff off schedule. You get just a generic, not very good quarterback who doesn't make the special Taylor Heineke plays and doesn't give you that special Taylor Heineke energy that definitely elevates the people around him. So yeah. I don't know where you where you fall on that, but to me, that's kind of how I I would read out the the human management element of it. Yeah, I agree. I think you want, I think you do want him making plays, right? But you also don't want him, it's, you don't want him like to, to, to your analogy, you don't want him listening to the devil too frequently, mm-hmm. right? And so obviously there's a responsibility by the coaching staff to kind of mitigate that, right? In terms of play selection and play call. But then there's also a responsibility by the player to say, 
I need to be aware of the situation in the game and what the heck is actually happening. So, I mean, I look at the last play, the interception, for example, right? They're running, he runs a little snag to Dax Mill. Um, they've got like a big box fade. And Dax, you can tell, is the first read. You go one, and then you go to the basic, who's Logan. And is the basic open? Yes. But is the snag open? 1,000%. So should I even be able to get to the second read? No. And based on the situation, based on the down and distance, do I really need to be forcing a play here? And um, and the answer to in my in my estimation is no, right? Because then it's right. third and six, third and four, maybe if Dax breaks the tackle, right? And we're in a down and distance that we can handle offensively instead of throwing an interception. And obviously, the interception is the worst worst outcome there. But even if that ball is incomplete, it's third and eleven. And are you going to be able to overcome that? Have you flipped field position at all? Understanding who you are, understanding the situation, I think is something that's frustrating. And is the ball there to Logan? Yes, but he shouldn't know that based on his progression. I think he said that after the game and that's good awareness by him, but I need him to have that awareness in the moment at the time. And we, and like we, we shared some clips back and forth earlier and that happened in this game specifically more than I would like, you know, yeah. that he's kind of pushing through stuff. He's not taking easy stuff. He's trying to press for that big play. And that happens with running backs. That happens with receivers. The problem with a quarterback is that it impacts the game in a more dramatic way. Yeah, and it's something that I used to like. He had uh, some stuff in this game when you you were sending me some of these clips that Kirk used to have all the time when he was here. Where you just be like, "Dude, you're looking right at it. Yeah. Like your eyes are in the right place. Why didn't you throw the ball? Yeah. Like what did you not like about the look? Where I mean, his feet. Like there there was one in particular where he turns down two good throws in a row. Like his first option's a, a more shallow concept. I can't remember which one it was. The second yeah. one was I think a dig to Terry or a basic to Terry. And like, he looks at the first one, his feet are in the right place. His eyes are in the right place. He turns it down and you're like, okay. And oh, then he yeah. resets, he resets on his hitch and the deeper ones there. And you're like, hallelujah. All right, yeah. we'll take this mistake all day. And then he doesn't like that one either. And then he yeah. does, I don't remember what he does on the play. I think it's it was, an incompletion uh, sack something. Um, scissors concept, right? So you get a corner yeah. and then you get a post, right? And they, they do a really good job of covering that up. And the corner on the outside drops under the corner under under the uh under the the corner route the defensive player drops under the corner route right so yeah the the quick out yeah the shallow cross is coming directly into his vision and it's right there and it's like that's the progression you say no to the corner say yes to the shallow if they take away the shallow then you go to the dig on the backside. the shallow is open so just throw it to him right it's first down curtis is going to run for first down then you work to the basic which is also open but that's a tougher throw because you got to throw with great anticipation there like drew Brees was the master of that throw and i think he ends up taking a sack so it's kind of like why you know why right like why i don't understand maybe there's something in your vision you know you're on the all 22 so you're a little bit removed it's hard to see but it seems like he sees it why not just take it i don't know right and he did that on the bow concept i know diami dropped it so the running bow which is a basic by uh, the tight end, in this case, Logan Thomas. The receiver comes and sits down, and basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the middle linebacker to attach to the sit route, and you're going to hit the basic right behind it. The linebacker drops out. He's like, I don't want yeah, anything to do with that. Yeah, he, he goes and covers the basic. And so if the second he drops out of there, throw the sit. Throw it right now. But you wait a beat. And then, again, like as a receiver, it's really interesting. It's really interesting dynamic with receivers is <clears throat> when you wait a beat, the receiver's rhythm is off. And I know that sounds insane because it's a sit route, but all of a sudden your internal clock's going, oh, shoot, he's going to throw the basic. 
and then he comes back to you. And then you're kind of you're a little out of sorts. And I see it happen all the time when the quarterback is off rhythm, it gets the receiver off, off rhythm. And I'm not saying he Diami dropped the ball because of that, but you can see it's a little it flummoxes Diami a little bit. And right. Diami 1000 percent should catch that ball. But also if you throw it when you're supposed to throw it, that might be a first down as well, because you can split the two defenders and maybe get you know eight yards and get you in a good situation. So those types of things, he just seemed like he was constantly looking for a bigger play instead of just playing in the context of the offense. And someone asked me, oh, do you think we should fire Scott? If I'm Scott, I go into Ron's office the next day and I say, look at this. Look at how many opportunities he passed up on. And these are not like overly challenging throws necessarily. And and, he, and if I'm Scott, I'm saying like, we've talked about this. Like, Ron, you've been in the meeting when we've talked about it. So what am I, what else am I supposed to do? Like, that's just Taylor so, not yeah. playing at a super high level, I think. And people are allowed to do this. I don't want to say like Taylor should be cut or anything like that. People right. have these games. But to me, the reason the offense struggled yesterday, a lot of it, look, look at Taylor. You know what I mean? Because of right. some of these decisions. So there's, I think, two then questions off of that. One, what could they have done to help him? And yeah. two, like, if we had a lot of the same stuff to say about Carson, like, is it unlucky with two straight quarterbacks that this is a thing that happens? Or is there, does that actually yeah. uh, go back to the common denominator that, like, Scott and this offensive staff are clearly not getting through what needs to happen and, and the players aren't don't have an understanding of, of what they need to execute on given plays? It's hard. The NFL is really hard. I it, And part of it is, yes, Taylor is, I think I, the way I started my show yesterday, uh, the first thing in my first intent was like, Taylor's a an average to maybe slightly above average decision maker with possibly the worst arm in the NFL. And that is just going to mean that some days he's he's not on it. And that's yeah. what happens when you're average. It's not like you you miss 50% of the stuff every single week. It's some weeks you're, you're 90% and some weeks you're 40. And he had a 40% yeah. week. Yeah, and and so I think that's part of it, and then you get to the the running game, which we can get to in a second. Of like, what else could they have potentially done to help him out a little bit and make the offense function better? Um, Minnesota is obviously great running the ball, so we'll get there. But like, is there like on the teaching side of it, um, or, or the the kind of through threads of execution, poor execution, does that reflect back on the OC, or is it just uh, the nature of the game, and and especially with these two particular quarterbacks? Yeah, and I kind of felt like this was a very like Carson Wentz game by Heineke. You know, Carson Wentz, when you watch him, he's always trying to press for something down the field a little bit more. And that makes sense. He's got a big arm. And I felt like Taylor was doing the same thing today. So instead of elevating the offensive line, getting the check downs, getting your back, which he did against Indianapolis, which he did against Green Bay, he just was like, I'm going to press a little bit more. And that pressing again, put a little bit more pressure on the offensive line and it puts a little bit more pressure on this offense. So I think to your point, like when Taylor is at his best, he knows this offense really well, which we saw against Green Bay, we saw against Indy, and he knows where to go with the football quickly, right? I just saw this thing on Instagram, Byron Leftwich talking about what makes Tom Brady great. And he, Byron Leftwich was basically saying, like, Tom Brady never gets bored taking the easy throw. And it's so funny when you watch Tom Brady, it is boring. Because it's like, if he has any doubt about something, he's like, I'm just going to check the ball down. And that that's why his backs, that's why the underneath receivers, the slot receivers do so well in his offense because that's who gets the ball most of the time. And he just is – so like on that scissors concept, you better believe the second it got even a second muddy, a little bit muddy, the ball is going to the receiver, and the receiver is going to run for 15 yards. And he's going to mm -hmm. pat his own stats. They're going to, And then they get another set of downs. They've got their explosive play off of a check down. And so I think there is a, a, a skill 
and, and an elite quality to someone who can just do that down in and down out and make the right decision. You know, and I think that's something that Taylor did well against Green Bay specifically, like especially in the second half. He just did that at a very high level. And then all of a sudden, you know, not so much this week. And that, and this is the result. Like when you don't make those decisions, when you don't make those plays, the offense looks very stagnant outside of a couple big plays. And he did do some nice stuff. He had an excellent throw and a dig to Terry. Obviously the touchdown throw, we talked about that. Not great, but the one to Dax Mills, I thought was excellent. Excellent yeah, route by Dax. Great throw. Really understanding the concept and where the coverage was. Great job. You know, so he did some good things, but I think on the whole, there wasn't enough good. And he left some of these opportunities on the field. And again, when the offense is walking this kind of mar this 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 razor's edge, you got to make these easy throws. You got to make these easy decisions become they because because they become huge issues if you don't make them. So then you get to the running game and yeah. uh, my, my favorite pet peeve, which is the lack of involvement for Curtis Samuel, who is at this point, their best runner yeah. um, gets one carry for 16 yards with like four and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. I don't yeah. understand how that goes that well. And that guy doesn't get another touch, um, especially when you're, you're struggling to run the ball. How did the run game struggles and the lack of ability to do anything off of the run game in general, hurt this offense and what did you make of their run game plan again against a very good Minnesota run defense like again not surprised that they had some struggles but three you know sub three five a carry for both your main backs and your your best ball carrier getting one carry like that's not a that's not a valiant effort in, in any way yeah I think the thing that becomes frustrating is you know Minnesota is going to play a light light box we talked about on the show we talked about the pregame show they are a Vic Fangio defense. They want to allocate more resources to coverage, right? And they do that by playing down in the run game, down in, in terms of run-stopping personnel. So, you know, I think Scott Turner deserves a lot of credit because if you go back and watch, there's a lot of looks where they are plus in the run game, which is excellent. That's exactly where you want to be. You want to scheme up defenses to challenge rules and make sure that you have more blockers than they have people to stop the run. And I think that, like on the Curtis Samuel run, for example, I love the play design there. They bring Curtis into the backfield. They don't match with the same kind of personnel because they're treating him like a receiver, right? And then you have you have six blockers for six defenders, and you get hats on hats with great angles. And that's something again that I think is maybe overlooked when you talk about um, you know the run game is how easy is it for this double team to get to the guy at the second level, the linebacker, or the safety in this case. And oftentimes people say, you know, oh, the double team will get there to move this guy, but I need to make sure the angles are conducive to the offensive lineman getting leverage on the second level player. So on that first play, they do an excellent job of that, right? They, you know, they're running tight zone to the front side. Gibson runs back. It pulls the backside linebacker out of the count so the double team can really sit. Norwell and Leto do an excellent job of just moving that and building a wall. Trey Turner, Larson on the front side do an excellent job because the linebacker has removed himself from the box almost of getting great movement, and there's a huge hole right there. And then Curtis does an excellent job in space. They were able to get stuff like that frequently throughout the game. Um, but the issue to me and to my eye is that they would run this beautiful – another example. They run this beautiful – moat, like same split back set, tight ends in the backfield um, – uh, Brian Robinson's running back. They motion Armani in. They kick out the backside end. Logan's going to lead up on the first linebacker off the ball in the box. It's perfect. But when the motion comes in the box, the linebacker shift over and the safety comes in. They're still plus. They, this, this should still be a home run, you know, like a 30-yard game. I'm not exaggerating. But they don't change the box count to account for the safety that's in the box. 
So as a result, the double teams are out leveraged. So they can't sit on the double team. So there's no movement. And then when they get to the second level, they start pushing their players towards the running back. And that's not the offensive line's fault. That's simply saying, oh, we have an extra black. We have a fullback in the game. We don't have to block that guy. Let's block these two dudes way over here and sit on these double teams and have excellent leverage on these blocks. That happens more times than I care to admit. And that's a really big frustration to me because it, it devalues the running back positions, the Gibson, Brian Robinson. And then on the RPO stuff, you texted me this. I agree with this. You're not executing the RPOs at a high level. We mentioned being plus in the run game. Oh, when, God. When you, have so someone, when you have someone you're reading and he attacks the run, you have to throw the bubble. You have to throw the bubble or else the play, the whole point of the RPO doesn't work. So you end up with a free player in the hole because you didn't read the, the person correctly. And so the best run of the second half is to Gibson on an RPO where he reads it correctly, but on the first two RPOs of the game, you read it incorrectly. And so those are lost opportunities for 10-yard gains. There are two, three-yard gain because Gibson's running into a guy and spinning off a dude and, you know, B-Rob's doing the same thing. But in a game where you have a limited number of opportunities, 64 offensive snaps or whatever it is, every one of we just made we just mentioned five plays in the run game that they screwed up. I don't want to say screwed up, that they didn't execute at the highest level, right? And that happens, but that's five opportunities out of how many runs did they have? And that, that's not even all of them. Let's say they did it on half the runs. Like that is not a winning percentage, right? And then we mentioned the couple of snafus in the past game. You're not maximizing your offense when you have these little hiccups. And that's the level of execution that needs to be that, that's required for a good offense in the NFL. Right. Yeah, the RPO stuff, I didn't realize how many of them they ran until I watched it back, um, which is something I need to be better about watching in real time moving forward. But they, there's just so often where you all of a sudden look on the backside and you see a bubble or you see there was one where Milne runs like this quick out and it's if he gets the sideline there, it's it's a 30-yard gain. Like all the other – it's it's two-on-one. So you have one-on-one, -on -one, the receiver's just got to block the, the corner. Taylor's got to flip it out there and then Milne just gets to run in free space until yeah. the safety, you know, realizes the ball's not in the running back's hand and, and turns around and chases him down. And, you know, those kinds of plays, even when they're not going to be a 30-yard gain, if it's if, if an RPO gets seven and it's basically a run play, yeah. that's a great run. Yeah. Like, give me second and three all day. Um, And, and that, that kind of inefficiency, because I think a lot of times, like, we use that word, like, they need to be more efficient offensively. Right. And it's like, well, what does that mean? You can't magically like create yards that you've gained. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not it's not like you switch on an efficiency mode and use a little less power, but it's like, it's do you just maximize what the defense gives you? Do yeah. you take as often as possible 100% of the defense, what they give you, as opposed to having to do something spectacular to create yardage or get lucky and have a, a DB fall into a ref to score a touchdown? Like that's not that's not good offensive right. planning. That's not good offensive process. Just take what the defense gives you, and if you do that on a regular basis, you can win in this league, and you can move the ball, and you can you can put up pretty big numbers. And I think I think the this conversation would look drastically different if the defense was not playing well, but they have been playing well. They've been playing yeah. really well. So you just need offensively to not a not screw it up, and b be efficient enough where you can score twenty four points in a game. Like, that's really what it comes down to. If you can score 24 points, you're going to be competitive most games, right? And if the defensive gets a turnover, can you capitalize out, get it to 27? Excellent. We're, we're cooking with gas at this point. The, the problem is, like you said, they are not consistently executing 
the scheme seemingly to a high enough standard that they can sustain offensive drives. Like that's right. that's essentially what it boils down to. And that's been a systematic issue since week one, basically. You know, I don't know. Like maybe the second half of the Green Bay game, you could say they did a good job. Or they've had spurts, but I mean, right. I would even include last year. I would say the first year that Alex was here um, yeah. and playing. Or you know, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that happened in the first part of that year between Dwayne and Kyle, and then ultimately you get to Alex, and Alex was more efficient. Um, right. Even if he wasn't prolific by any stretch More of the imagination, yeah. right? Like Alex was someone who was efficient offensively and you saw that turned into wins, even though the stats didn't look that much different. I think that's the secret sauce to Alex Smith that I never appreciated until I covered him more, more consistently is like, Oh, that's why that guy wins games yeah. because he sustains drives. The defense plays better. Like and it, it, it's not coincidence. You know, one of the things that stood out to me is like they had a run where they're in a five, the defense is in a five-man front with two linebackers, and you only have six blockers. They call that a jam front. Everybody's covered up on the inside. Another thing that, like, Kyle would do in that situation in terms of efficiency, remember, you only get, you know, let's say 25 to 30 times to run the football game. You can't screw one of them up. And I don't want to run one into a bad look. Is he would have that same run called with a pass. And so that's another thing that is hard to kind of negotiate. I know this happened one time, maybe two times in the game. But if you're if, you, if if the defense presents a look that you don't like to run the football into, do you have a, a a can game to your run system? And it doesn't look like that. So again, in terms of targets, you know, giving your guys opportunities to run an advantageous looks like that stuff. I think is again, it just doesn't show up on a week to week basis. And I think it's again, it's to your point, it, it doesn't lead to the best offensive product. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think that's a great point. And um, it's something that Kevin, by the way, praised Kirk uh, for after the game on the Minnesota side of things, uh, of how he consistently gets them in the right play yeah. and, and does a lot of stuff beyond just throwing the football to, to Justin Jefferson uh, on a regular basis. Yeah.